the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height filling in uh, one more time here for Mr. Ed Martin uh, before we get to the weekend. I appreciate you letting me join you a couple of days here. Uh, Thank you to Ed for going and being on assignment. So I get a chance to uh, step into the booth here, and uh, we've got a good show for you today. So uh, before we dive into the uh, what you need to know, our first segment, The Wink, uh, let me remind you, first of all, head over to ProAmericaReport.com. There you can find all of the standalone segments. You can find all the past podcasts, the notes, the links, uh, everything that goes up on social media, everything that we uh, mention on the show, you can find over there, ProAmericaReport.com. That's also where you can sign up for the email to get the wink, the what you need to know email every morning early into your inbox. A couple of links and it's something you need to know uh, for the day. We promise it'll be short and sweet and helpful. So head over there, uh, sign up for the email list. That's really the best way for us to make sure we stay in touch with you because we ever get censored, you know, uh, shadow banned, things happen online. That is how we will make sure we can reach uh, straight out to you and you can still uh, keep getting the information that you need to get. So uh, let's uh, go ahead and dive right in. Today on the show, um, we've actually pulled a couple of old interviews that I think are very relevant. First of all, we'll hear from an old interview, actually from 2020. The uh, National Pulse uh, writing fellow in 2020, Brian Allman, joined Ed to talk then about TikTok, the China-controlled TikTok app, and uh, it's pretty relevant uh, this week. In fact, that's what we're about to dive into here in the Wink. Uh, and then also, I wanted to replay the wonderful interview from uh, Mr. Mark Herr last week, talking about, he was from the Center for Self-Governance, talking about the FBI's work uh, that relies heavily on the integration of private organizations and how dangerous that is. In light of the FBI uh, informants or the FBI whistleblowers coming forward this week, I think that's a pretty relevant topic that we should go back and listen again uh, with the week's news on our mind to Mr. Her and see what uh, what we have to say, what he had to say, what we have to think about that. So uh, let's go ahead and dive right into it, though. Before we get to these great guests, uh, what do you need to know? What you need to know today is that China is using TikTok to wage cultural warfare against America. Let me let me paint a picture here for you, because I think this is something that a lot of Americans, we, we as Americans need to make the leap and understand what's going on here. I think it's been um, known for some time that uh, China turned their aggression toward us from a more of a military standpoint, as in the actual threat of a military invasion, to economic warfare. And they've been waging economic warfare on us uh, quite successfully, I might add, for a number of decades. Uh, No thanks to the globalist policies of so many leaders of America on both sides of the aisle. But um, that has made a very significant turn, and I think it's something that we need to recognize. So 
we all talk about TikTok. The national bans on TikTok that that are you know mentioned as a possibility. Uh, states, government agencies, public and private entities. Uh, these are all there are bans on TikTok from all kinds of devices, as it is such an obvious threat to data and security because of its uh, Chinese ownership uh, with BitDance. It, it really is, or is it ByteDance? BitDance? Uh, you, you, someone will correct me. You know, this is a bytes or bits. I guess this is a computer thing. I'm not going to get into. <laughs> it. I'm not going to get into it. I'll let you correct me. But uh, the TikTok owners, uh, uh, their absolutely undeniable connection to China leaves that wide open for uh, the real possibility of data breaches, of security, national security issues. But another fact that we all know is the constant threat to our young people uh, from social media, the peer pressure, the power of suggestion, uh, things that have come up, just the, the, the social media bubble, what it is allowing our kids to get sucked into. Uh, we know that this is a, we know that a TikTok is a security threat, a digital security threat, and we understand uh, that social media has become a major threat to the physical and mental health and well-being of our young people. But I think what we need to do is couple those two understandings together and realize what's happening here. That the Chinese uh, communists are using TikTok specifically as a digital strategy to undermine and erode the future generations of America. Now, it's really not that far-fetched. Think about it. In uh, using unconventional warfare, what would you do? Well, you can outright attack your enemy. You could uh, go and invade their shores. But first, you would send in spies. You would use subversion. You would disrupt things, disrupt communications. You would disrupt transit and, uh, and infrastructure. Well, guess what? In the modern digital age, what would you want to do? You would want to disrupt culture. You would want to cause division. You would want to cause uh, fill in the blank. And uh, this really kind of comes home based on an article this week that I'm going to share with you here on social media from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, This is from writer Julie Jargon, uh, who wrote the article, TikTok Feeds Teens a Diet of Darkness. And some studies are starting to come out, uh, which, of course, you know, TikTok is a relatively new phenomenon, and it always takes time to study these things. But studies are starting to come out, and we're seeing the absolutely undeniable algorithmic bend to feed unhealthy things to teenagers. And and this is what some of the studies have shown, uh, that uh, some of these researchers have set up accounts uh, that were centered around uh, teenagers that looked like a teenager whose account it was, and they started noticing what the algorithm was doing very purposefully. The algorithm was pushing quickly and easily things about uh, eating disorders, about body image, self-harm, suicide, These are the kinds of uh, suggested content that very quickly crept in and that TikTok was overwhelmingly suggesting for accounts specifically set up to reflect that of a teenager. And, you know, I'm summarizing quite a bit here. We'll post the link uh, here in the in the show description and then also on social media. You'll be able to get it there. But what it's what essentially is happening. TikTok is steering the youngest viewers, teenagers to dangerous content and. I would like to put before you that this is no mistake. Uh, no matter what TikTok says about a content team of 40,000 some odd people trying to take off these things that violate community guidelines, y- you know what? There are too many coincidences, and it's just it's unbelievable anymore. And, and I feel like that's the level we're at. When a China-owned company is pushing dangerous 
content about self-harm, dangerous content about eating disorders, when they are essentially corrupting the minds and the health and well-being of our young people uh, through an addictive social media platform, that is a form of digital cultural warfare. And make no mistake, I think that this is absolutely something that we should treat as an act of aggression, as a threat, not just the economic warfare we see from uh, China or the overt military aggression. Uh, I think that this is a, a battle, a front line that Americans need to make a shift on and understand what's happening, um, because it, it's really time for some serious movement toward this uh, idea of banning TikTok, toward this idea, uh, idea of limiting uh, this absolutely awful and divisive thing. So I want us to make a shift on that. I think it's really important. I think it's something we need to understand, the dots that we need to connect. And uh, we're going to look a little bit more at that here in the next segment uh, with Mr. Brian Allman. So thank you for being with us here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com, get all the goodies there, sign up for the email list, and we will be right back after this break. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report, and I'm really pleased to have our next guest, Brian Allman, who is a, a fellow, a writing fellow over at uh, the National Pulse, thenationalpulse.com. You can go there, and I flagged this story that I saw, this column, uh, this commentary that he wrote, China-controlled TikTok is data collection service thinly veiled as a social network. Delete it now. Uh, and I thought, we got to talk about this. I, 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 the biggest reason I have to tell you, Brian, and I welcome you to the show, is I don't know how it is that this TikTok hasn't been banned by... Um, the American government. I mean, there's no, it's not a close call that this is a national security threat. And yet here we are. And let me say at Brian Allman on Twitter, again, I'll put it up on social media and all that. But so uh, welcome, Brian. And and why is it that we haven't banned TikTok already? Hello, Ed. It's a pleasure to speak with you. I appreciate you having me on. It's, um, you bet. It looks, as far as I understand, there has never been an app that has been banned at the government level, at least in the United States. And so that might be why they're hesitant, although it sounds like what uh, Attorney General Barr is talking about is they're looking very closely at possibly banning it in the next couple of weeks. Right. Uh, uh, why is it? Walk us through what uh, happens. The reason why, I mean, I've, I've just come to the conclusion I can't trust anything that uh, China does. But walk us through why is TikTok, what, what is TikTok doing and why is it so problematic? Walk us through your piece. All right. Well, TikTok, if you don't know, is a social media app that you can download on your phone. And you can either watch videos or record yourself and make a little video of your own. And what makes this one unique is its algorithm. It's really, um, it's really well designed to show you the videos that it thinks you're going to like. Uh, but there are several reasons that uh, we should all be concerned about it. Uh, the first one is data collection. It's bad enough that American companies like Google and Facebook, they're already sucking up every piece of personal data that they can. Uh, but here's a company that is you know, completely outside of our borders and outside of our control. And in fact, ultimately controlled by you know, another nation that has you know, engaged in other hostile acts toward us. Uh, in my article, I mentioned uh, a a user on Reddit who reverse engineered the app and found that it's actually uh, collecting an order of magnitude more data than any of the other social media apps. And who knows what they're doing with it. 
Uh, there's also um, well the creepy factor. There's stories floating around of you know grown men using the app to connect with underage girls, getting them to do you know suggestive dances, and that is actually one of the reasons why India initially banned the app. Um, there's also censorship. Uh, TikTok claims they're independent of Chinese control, uh, control and influence. However, their parent company, ByteDance, was forced to remove an app that the Chinese Communist Party decided was vulgar. And not only that, but the founder of ByteDance and the creator of TikTok, uh, Zhang Yiming, was forced to write a public letter of apology to the people of China. And finally, the the last issue that I found with TikTok is its possible use for propaganda. Uh, we had the Mueller investigation here in America spending millions of dollars of taxpayer money to figure out that some Russian agents bought a few Facebook ads. But TikTok has you know has a tremendously greater reach than than those people they their algorithm decides what you see and with just a few tweaks they can show you whatever they want and that can really subtly shape your worldview especially for the millions of young people who are using the app uh, we're talking with Brian Alman, who I mentioned is a is a, uh, a writing a fellow, National Pulse is a writing fellow for 2020 about his piece on TikTok. So if young and young people, the people who are using it, I, I hear this and I don't know. So you'll tell me the young people use it, right? It's popular with young people. And, you know, I don't know. Again, I'm going to go out of my uh, lane here, but certain other things were once popular with young people. They first loved MySpace. I'm, I'm not sure that's true, but they loved the vine they tend to go so is tiktok becoming popular with young people is it becoming popular more broadly is the threat in terms of i mean if you get a teenager who acts like a, a an idiot um and he you know as long as it's not illegal behavior and you, you alluded to some of that being an idiot is kind of what teenagers do and that's not as i don't feel threatened by the chinese government knowing that but what what more broad you know what are they what are they doing is it, bro- is it expanding more i mean is it to walk me through how it's a a bigger threat then well i think tiktok's uh, the reason it's so big now is because it's uh, you know like i said that algorithm they've really fine-tuned it and people who use it find that after a few days it, it, it it's it's like it can read your mind and know exactly what what sort of videos are going to make you laugh or entertain you hmm. uh, and it is right. very popular with the, with the younger crowd i mean um there, there was vine in the past which you could upload videos but that really didn't take off whereas this one did uh, it could just be timing uh it's it's just the right environment for this sort of thing uh one of the biggest differences between this and myspace and facebook and snapchat and all the other you know past social media fads is that this is the first time that it's um a major app that is controlled by a non-american company Uh, and so i think that you know I, i think we should all worry about data collection from social media apps across the board uh, but this adds right. an entirely new dimension to that question uh, well and and, uh, and it's not just like it's not Canada I mean uh, you know it's China I mean that's the other part of this that I you know is is uh, is pretty clear I mean you know being totally serious if it was a nation that didn't have a sort of you know very you know outwardly uh, antagonistic uh, view uh, so 
Is it possible? You mentioned, actually, that maybe one of the reasons we haven't banned it is that we've never done that. There's never been a ban, and it's going to be an interesting challenge. And imagine the day that they ban it, there'll be, you know, a million, two million, I don't know, five million, whatever number of million American kids are like, what? I can't believe it. Um, is, but is, is the, um, is the movement to, to un, to, uh, uh, delete the app? Are people aware of it now? Is it, I mean, I got it all, I put it on my phone for about a week. No, it was probably more like two weeks to see it. Um, and, but then I, I deleted it. I do get from my friends, uh, buddies from college. One guy will send me TikTok talks that he sees, uh, Trump ones and all. So who, you know, are they going to, if you don't ban it, is there any way that it, it goes down in usage? Well, I think there will be some effect. I, I noticed when um, I published the article for the National Pulse and it got shared around, I got a lot of feedback of people saying that they're deleting it or they're forcing their children to delete it. Uh, but honestly, uh-huh. that's kind of a drop in the bucket because this it, TikTok remains the number one social media app on both the Android and Apple app stores. It, it is it right. has really, uh, really taken off. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, you mentioned possible resistance to a ban. And I was just reading that this morning. Uh, Chuck Ross over at the Daily Caller had a story uh, about a former Trump campaign official who is now lobbying for TikTok. And it turns out he um, started, uh, he, he registered as a lobbyist for ByteDance back in January, right about the same time that Congress was starting to investigate and the military was telling their bases to ban the app. And so there's going to be some you know, push back and forth to you know, figure out what to do about this. Well, and and uh, one I had another person who was protesting uh, uh, TikTok, and they were uh, you know they, they were telling me it's a bad thing, it's a bad thing, and they were saying why can't an American company uh, do something similar, you know, and, and is that is that a possibility? You know, the guy who runs it now, at least the CEO of the of TikTok itself, is an American, uh, uh, I guess a former Disney official. Uh, but you know, in places like India, they they banned it, right? They just said we're banning it, period, and that's the end of that. They have a little bit different uh, mindset. Um, you know, I, your point is a good one. Will will Congress step up? Probably not. So is it, it would the would the reason to ban it have to be national security? Is that the way they'd have to do it? Do you think, or has it gotten that far yet? Um, I'm not sure how they would uh, go forward with it because, um, you know, like I said, they've never banned an app before, and it's yeah. you know, really the, the way our uh, the way our you know freedoms work in the country. It's it, it's. I kind of see it as one of the really confusing effects of globalism because, you know, so many lines are crossed and so many borders are being erased that it's hard to know exactly what to do about something like this. Uh, this, you know, it could be a national security issue. It could be a privacy issue. It could be a you know propaganda issue. Uh, it's, you know, they could indict some Russian guys ways. for buying some Facebook ads. So, you know, maybe they could do <laughs> yeah, something Yeah, that's like right. <laughs> one, of, one of the most prominent <laughs> ideas I saw was um, that the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States is investigating TikTok because of the, the way ByteDance purchased Musical.ly, which was an American company. And that's actually how they huh. got into the American market by purchasing this existing company mm. and integrating the software. And apparently what could happen is that they could force TikTok to be spun off into its own company separate from ByteDance and therefore outside of Chinese control. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, I got to I gotta wrap up. Uh, Brian Allman, thank you over the National Pulse, edited, of course, by our old friend Raheem Kassam. Appreciate it very much. TikTok, we're watching. I hope, they, uh, I hope they ban it. I don't know how they will. We'll talk more about it. Thanks very much. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Ref- uh, <laughs> Pro America Report. You can tell it's a Monday. Uh, I am uh, next. My next guest is Mark Herr. Mark Herr came to visit me a few weeks ago when my old friend and uh, a really great leader uh, who's out in I heard everybody hears from her all the time. Tammy Nichols is out in um, uh, Idaho. And so she said, I want to introduce you to somebody. And she brought by uh, Mark Herr. Mark Herr is uh, at the uh, Center for Self-Governance. If you don't know the Center for Self-Governance, you need to. You can go to centerforselfgovernance.com, uh, a nonprofit, nonpartisan educational organization doing lots of good stuff. Uh, they dedicate that. I wrote down your things, Mark, here, your, your uh, mission statement, uh, st- dedicated to the advancement of stable civil society, balanced human government, and a well-educated and highly participating populace. This sounds perfect to me. So first of all, welcome, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great, Ed. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, and so the reason I brought you on, among others, I've been interested in your work, but you and I had a conversation in person uh, when you came out here. And I should say, Mark is the the co-founder of the Center for Self-Governance. He's written a number of books, too, uh, including uh, Speaking the Language of Liberty and and a a film producer. Uh, Anyway, so um, but we talked about something very specific. And, you know, it's almost like you opened my eyes every time I turned around. I'm still seeing it and I'm seeing it in multiple ways. And so the, here's what you and I talked about. You said to me, Hey, Ed, the prob one problem is that federal law enforcement and state and local law enforcement have sort of maybe not intentionally, but maybe intentionally outsourced aspects of their enforcement to private entities. So you get places like the Southern Poverty Law Center or others who say, Hey, 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 so and so is a bad guy. He's a hate guy. He's a he's a he's a um a spreader of of this or that. And it's one thing for people to use their free speech to say that about you know others, me. But it's another thing when the the their information is relied upon by the government. I, I know I summarized it w- poorly, Mark, but maybe <laughs> tell us a little bit more about it and what you saw and what you see and what you worry about and why it's a problem. Well, if, if you go back in history, um, when when political opponents take over government and they start to weaponize labels, it eventually gravitates toward weaponizing governments. You see this with the Catholics and the Protestants for a thousand years in the monarchy, labeling each other heretics and witches, Puritans and Quakers in Massachusetts in the 1600s, uh, Germans with Jews and their terrible genocide in the 20th century, and here we are in the United States, we have non-government organizations who have private definitions of extreme hate, anti-government, and they create their lists based on their definitions, which is part of their First Amendment. Call me whatever name you want. But the problem is, is when our, our, our federal, state, and local law enforcement begin, are, are, are then have their discretion informed by those private definitions and those private de- uh, lists, how does law enforcement uh, then affect the population? So in our country, we, we rely on due process, you know, that you have the ability to be, have your day in court or we have equal application of the law. But one definition applies to you and that same definition applies to me, right? Well, that's not happening right now in the United States with non-government organizations such as the Southern Poverty Law Center creating a hate list and anti-government list, which they have the First Amendment right to do, but they are informing the discretion of the FBI, for example. Recently, an FBI whistleblower uh, unveiled in Richmond, Virginia, that the FBI department there was relying on an internal uh, document 
on the uh, relying on the Southern Poverty Law Center's hate list um, to 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 inform their discretion for tripwire and human source uh, 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 using human sources to infiltrate people practicing their religious freedom in in Richmond, Virginia. And that's very troubling uh, uh, to organizations like myself, uh, Center for Self-Governance, because we are listed on on S- Southern Poverty Law Center's anti-government list, which which is that that word anti-government means that we hate government. We're against government. And I'm I've been trying to make the case, Ed, for uh, to D.C. Uh, to Washington, D.C. and Congress these last three months. Our organization is not anti-government. That's why our mission statement is stable civil society, balanced government, and an informed population. Whether you're Democrat or Republican doesn't matter to us. Um, and so how we got on the list, I don't know. Um, we just making the case that we're not anti-government. So we feel, I feel like a Quaker. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> I'm not a heretic. I'm not a witch. Please don't drown me. And so when we when it gets into government, that's the problem. And that's the concern. That's the alarm we're sounding, Ed, is that, you know, when when um, organizations like ours get labeled anti-government or hate or whatever, and that government, that that non-government organization is exercising the First Amendment, that's fantastic. When they start informing the discretion of law enforcement, however, how does that affect our due process, our day in court? How does that affect? Um, our equal protection of the law. How many lists does SPLC have that the FBI and 50 state law enforcements and, and their, and their local law enforcements around the country are using? How does that affect my civil rights? How does that affect my students' civil rights? Um, how do we defend ourselves? I, I don't feel like I'm innocent until I'm proven guilty. I feel like I'm guilty and now I have to prove my innocence. Everything just seems kind of backwards with what I'm describing to your listeners. And I, I would like to resolve that. I want to yeah. fix that. Well, uh, and we're talking with Mark Herr and uh, centers for self governance.com center, cent- excuse me, center for self governance.com. There's no S on that. Um, so, but uh, Mark, um, when you, when you, you know, I, I was telling you 20 years ago, I, w- I worked for, I would ran the election board in St. Louis. I worked for the, the governor of Missouri. And I, I guess my, my question is, it feels like this moved dramatically in 20 years, like more than it ever did. Meaning, I, I don't know whether it's the outsourcing. And, you know, look, on one level, you say sometimes you say, well, if somebody's helping the government do their job well, well, you know, we, we like that. I mean, we like when somebody's, you know, if you're if you're um, uh, uh, honest and in the right direction, maybe right. we like that. Absolutely. But, the, and, but, the, but the thing that the thing that I think you made me think about was it's one thing if you help the government say, Promote the Constitution, promote, promote some issue, promote something. It's another thing if you're doing things that impact people's liberty, right? That's the point where we've got to be more uh, careful because what people are basically saying is, you know, and uh, uh, let me back up. One of the problems with outside groups doing some of this stuff is they get, you get once one, you get removed from the accountability, right? So I can't tell the Southern Poverty Law Center how dumb I think their criteria is or how corrupt they look to me, to my eyes. I don't know them internally. I know they have tons of money offshore in the Caymans, and I know they just pick willy-nilly, but they're, they're, they're not being audited. It doesn't look like they're not being investigated. So when somebody uses them, I can't, I can't make them accountable, whereas I can tell my congressman, hey, the local FBI office did X in Richmond. Find out what that means, right? I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. Yes. We, we absolutely, and that's why we've been going to D.C., uh, interacting with the weaponization of the federal government committee. 
Not because we're going on a witch hunt against the SPLC's First Amendment rights. Absolutely not. It's because we're trying to figure out where is the due process? Where's the equal protection of the law? Why are we using private definitions based on private lists? Did Congress authorize those lists? How many lists are there? For example, I have a uh, former airline uh, uh, employee who alleges that the TSA, uh, in consulting their no-fly list, references the SPLC's private list. And that's a problem for American citizens who travel and they have four S's on their on their plane tickets. They're like, who do you call? What judge do you go? What court do you go to? Right, right. How do you? Okay. And then the other issue is that we've just discovered with the Richmond thing is that the FBI informs the discretion of state law enforcement and local law enforcement through their beyond the lookouts, their bolos. And on it, if you're an American citizen that is on their list that you don't know, it literally says don't advise them that they're on a terrorist watch list. Don't, they may be a member of a terrorist organization. That's like, Ed, that's in the United States of America. Like, um, you know, is center for self-governance because we're labeled by SPLC anti-government. Does that mean the FBI's discretion now indicates that we are terrorists on, and, and a PSG is now a terrorist organization. And I'm like, I just want to find checks and balances figure out how we inject due process into that equation and absolutely not interrupt SPLC's First Amendment right to label and call and have all kinds of lists if they want to. But somewhere in between there, Ed, there should be a check and a balance. And that's all we're asking for is accountability. Uh, I mean, should, is that, would everybody be okay with me creating a list and informing FBI to go after, say, Antifa or uh, Proud Boys or even SPLC and their employees? Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but but so, but but Mark, what what happens when what happens when the um, I I often refer to it as um on the show as the uh, uh the narrative machine. It's big government working with uh big tech and big media to enforce a narrative. Now I can add to that sort of the now on the on the front end, big 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 government is now being fed by these outside groups and they're funded by others and all that. Um, but you know, part of the damage is because the big tech and big media can't be accountable. And I, and I guess there are remedies under the law to go and say, you said this about me, but practically, and I'm reminded of this situation in um, Texas in the last few days, there's been two terrible, terrible tragedies, killings by animals, people that did, it looks like intentionally, both Hispanic and both, I think, have been reported as interested in white supremacy and the ideology. And it's a lie. I, I, I have to say, I think it's a lie. And if it's not, it's kind of the strangest thing to 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 have someone linked to, but it will never be re-litigated in the mind of Americans who just heard, ah, there was a shooting in Texas and it was done by someone who was interested in white supremacy. You know, in other words, you don't get to, to go get your reputation back in the modern era. You don't even get to get back the narrative. That is absolutely correct. And that's why we're going and participating uh, both at the federal and the state levels with the weaponization of the federal government committee uh, under the judiciary. And the chairman is Jim Jordan. And the committee members are very interested in the evidence that we're bringing regarding what you're describing. It's like once you've been damaged, the perception that you're a heretic and a witch is very, the stigma that is created by that weaponized label is one thing. 
when it becomes weaponized government, where now the FBI is going to tripwire and human confidential human source and access people uh, practicing their First Amendment religious freedoms in Richmond, Virginia, that's another thing. So we kind of separate this into two components, the, the weaponization of the labels and the weaponization of government. On the yeah. weaponization of labels, we obviously have a defamation, libel, slander, courtroom approach. But how do you recover the damages there? I think there are some um, uh, litigation things we can do uh, both at the federal and the state level regarding this idea that, yes, you have a First Amendment right to say whatever you want, but you also have a limitation on the damage caused by your speech. So that's the libels, the slander, et cetera. But we can add one more element. If you're going to be used by the executive branch or law enforcement entities there should be, do you have qualified immunity because you're hiding behind the First Amendment? Or do you lose your qualified amendment immunity right. because you're a state actor now? You're a state operative. You're functioning as government, like the Central Intelligence Agency, providing intelligence to the FBI regarding all these extremists that we've labeled according to our private definition. On the label side, I think we can go further than this, the, the, the defamation and the slander by adding some protections to say, if you're going to provide this kind of intelligence and information based on your private labels and law enforcement is going to use it and it becomes a weapon, then the, then the person who experiences it, I'm not you know, victimized by it maybe, right. then they should be able to challenge that in court uh, or seek remedy with a fact finder uh, to, to, to have say, listen, your honor, can we, can we take their, their first amendment uh, is reduced here because they're acting under state operative sanction. Let's give them that label, and then we can pursue it from that perspective. I think that would be one way to help to, to limit this uh, and also um, um, bring some balance back to the equation. On the government side, yeah, uh, th- that's a whole other ballgame, and it's really important for the American people, Democrat, Republican, Independent, non-voting, whoever, to understand that once you turn government in, into a weapon against your people, um, it, 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 it doesn't end well. Uh, you end up with uh, Jews being carted off. You have Puritans killing Quakers, uh, Catholics, you know, uh, imprisoning Protestants and vice versa. That kind of thing happens. And we can point to that in history. It's not as though that's an extreme or conspiratorial position. The key is, is that right now there are things we can do by asking Congress to identify, well, how many lists are there? How many of those are non-government lists? Right, right, exactly. Yep, yep. How many are public lists, or, or I would say executive branch created lists? And of all of those lists that have been created, how many were authorized by Congress? Yeah. And the same would be true at the state level, because now I've discovered in states like Washington, for example, they have internal executive branch lists not authorized by the state legislature. And so we're starting to look into those lists. Who created those lists? Uh, uh, where's the source of the authority for those lists? If you're going to have the list, um, here's another thing that people can do is ask the question, am I on the list? And if I am, what is the due process to get off the list? Can I go to a judge? Do I call my congressman? Is there 1-800-FBI list? You know, what, what, is, what is the process, the due process um, that applies uh, to me if I am on a list? Mm-hmm. Um, should Americans be notified that they're on a list? Should the list be private because of, you know, so-called national security? 
Um, I, I know of a, a single uh, of, of a, a stay at home mom who has six kids and she has four S's when she travels across the United States. She's so terrified to travel the United States because of the humiliation that she has had to go through. And what did she do? Nothing. She's never been charged. She's never been put in a court and there's never been a trial. She's never been found guilty by a jury of her peers, Ed, but she has four S's. She doesn't know how, she doesn't know who, she doesn't know who to ask. She doesn't know where to go. So you know what she does? She doesn't travel. Hmm. Wow. And you know what, Ed? You know what, Ed? That shouldn't happen in the United States. No, that shouldn't happen America. in America. No, it's true. Well, listen, Mark, very, very helpful. Thank you for the time, first of all. And again, Center for selfgovernance.com. You can check it out there. There's a lot of training series there. There's films, there's media uh, to check out. And uh, Mark, her, you can reach him through the website too. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll have you back again soon. Thank you so much, Ed. All right. We will take a break and I will put up on social media uh, links to all of uh, those that I mentioned. And we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. President Joe Biden used Monterey Park, California as the backdrop for his scripted announcement of a new executive order, which he claims will help reduce violent crimes by putting his presidential crosshairs on gun manufacturers. Biden claims that these companies are the only outfit you can't sue these days. However, that claim is demonstrably false. Gun manufacturers have been and continue to be liable for design flaws which make their products unsafe for typical use. However, gun manufacturers have historically not been liable for someone using their product for criminal activity, which is not the intended purpose of a firearm. This exception is not unique to the firearm industry, by the way. If you read the instruction manual for anything from kitchen gadgets to furniture to power tools, they all contain a warning not to use their products for something other than that which it is intended. It logically follows that when you don't heed that warning, it's the fault of the operator and not the manufacturer. If someone commits murder with a pocket knife, should we blame Swiss Army? If someone commits murder with a baseball bat, do the lawyers come for Louisville Slugger? The firearm industry is not asking for some kind of special carve-out. All they want is not to be specially targeted for someone misusing their product, just like any other manufacturer. President Biden's executive order also directs the Federal Trade Commission to investigate how gun manufacturers market firearms to minors and how much manufacturers market firearms to all civilians, including through the use of military imagery. Yet I fail to see what is so concerning about either of these things. Responsible gun use is a great hobby for a young person under adult supervision. And should we blame gun manufacturers for trying to make their products look appealing to potential customers? Manufacturers and gun advocacy groups like the National Rifle Association are not advocating for recklessness. They are the leading proponents of safe and responsible gun use. President Joe Biden really missed the mark when he went after gun manufacturers with his new executive order. As long as he keeps this up, Americans are only likely to see more violent crime, not less. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's time to hear the truth, not the media lies, about gun rights. At phyllisschlafly.com, we've got strategies to protect American citizens, protect ourselves, and protect the Second Amendment. For the latest on the constitutionally protected right to bear arms, go to phyllisschlafly.com. 
Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height. We're going to close out the show here. I had a couple of great guests. Again, uh, thank you uh, so much to Ed for constantly having on good people, for uh, taking good suggestions, for seeking them out. Uh, I think that uh, listening here to even as old as it was from our program to listen to Brian Allman again, get into some of the details of TikTok, and to uh, listen to Mark Herr uh, talk again about uh, some of the things that are just destructive and corrupt uh, beyond belief at the FBI. these are things we got to be paying attention to. I really hope that this program is always a good opportunity to bring information and analysis to you that just cuts through the headlines, cuts through the, the media, the narrative machine, and gives you the information that you need to know. So uh, thank you for being with us. I'll go ahead and say, we, as the wrap-up today, uh, just remember... Call your congressman. Call and email your U.S. senators, your U.S. representatives. If this TikTok uh, uh, ban is something that you think ought to be pushed forward, not just because of the digital uh, security aspect of it, but because of the absolutely destructive uh, foreign influence and foreign um, destruction of our younger generations, hey, sound off and let them know. Uh, uh, you'll go back uh, to the website. You can find the contact information there uh, for your folks to email or call them. But uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. We're out of time. So thank you for joining us here another day on the Pro-America Report. Uh, thank you to Ed. We wish him well in his uh, on-assignment endeavors. Thank you to Noah Dingley, uh, my uh, co-producer here who uh, keeps all the trains running on time and keeps us on track. Uh, we're appreciative for him and his work and all the folks at Salem, San Diego. And uh, we will look forward to being back with you next week here on the Pro-America Report. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, keep up in the meantime, and we will see you back here on the Pro-America Report next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.